Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'd like to welcome a colleague who's been on the show before, and uh, we're going to look at a an issue that we all think about and probably get annoyed about, but haven't analysed very much. But Herman Pretorius, you have analysed it, and the subject is coalitions. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Sarah, and to all the listeners. Yes, indeed, the subject is coalitions, and uh, it um, it is a juicy subject, but there, there's one specific little story that makes it perhaps even juicier, and okay. I think we're going to talk about that today. Okay, well, yes, juicy is the word. Before we go into it, um, will you just lay out for, for the audience the IRR's I don't know quite what the word would be. Uh, word would be whether it be sort of plan, idea, concept regarding how the post a post ANC or potentially post ANC majority government would look. It, it has a very uh, animalistic uh, flavour, shall we say? Yes, yes. No, I must say um, it is. It. I, I think the best way to to describe it is is you know an an, an analytical construct. In in Ooh. a way, it is it is there to not necessarily bleed or influence. It is just looking at the facts on the ground. What would be a realistic way forward for uh, a post ANC sort of governance in South Africa? And the IRR, we call it the wild dog coalition now the wild dog coalition stems from the fact that wild dogs in and of themselves individualistic creatures aren't very you know impressive they aren't predators at the top of the food chain in in an individual sense you know if you meet a wild dog late at night i think you would be significantly less worried than worried for example a lion so the the idea is that the wild dog as an individual you know little creature can't do much but the moment they hunt in a pack and they are well coordinated, they are immensely effective. In, in fact, they become quite a fearsome hunting entity. Uh, and, and the analytical construct of the wild dog sort of future of South African politics is that we have an aged buffalo, a formidable creature in the ANC that has dominated the savannah for a while with its temper and its tenders. And now there's this buffalo slowly but surely aging and becoming more and more vulnerable. And the idea is that if the wild dogs get their act together and they attack this buffalo in 2024, you know, between now and then, essentially if they take the opportunity to act as a hunting pack, they can bring down this buffalo. If, however, they fight amongst themselves and they yap amongst themselves, they will not be able to take down this formidable creature. So there are these scenarios essentially explained through this idea that if the wild dogs get their act together, they can kill this buffalo, they can bring it down, and we can see a new sort of politics in South Africa. However, the real risk is if they don't. Good. Yeah, I, I mean... I mean, I think one thing we have to bear in mind is that even if the ANC f loses support b below the 50% level, it is still likely to be the largest party in government. So the mm. co literally the coalescing of, the, of these smaller parties and working together <laughs> properly. Oh, there's one. Um, <laughs> I, I suspect it's a little uh, less wild than what we're talking about. Um, yes. It becomes 
all the more crucial because you're going to have to to make up the numbers to surpass mm. the ANC. You're going to have mm. to get a really successful working set of relationships going. Absolutely, and uh, the 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 IRR has been saying since essentially 2012, even perhaps a bit earlier that. 2024 is likely to be the national election where the ANC dips below 50%. So we're no longer in the in the in the sort of mind space of will the ANC ever dip below 50%. We've seen it happen. Last year's municipal election shows a stumbling ANC below 50%. But the question now becomes what comes after that, and that's where the real risk comes in. Is if politicians and and, and voters are still stuck in this age of the ANC when the actual question now is what does post-ANC governance look like? Mm -hmm. The ANC, as you say, will be the largest party for possibly, you know, five, six, perhaps 10 years. It all depends on, on you know, whether the collapse in, in opposition is as stark as it has been for the ANC in the Western Cape, where once they lost power, they never really got back into a state of being able to to regain it. So the question now becomes, we're heading into a post-ANC-dominated political era, but that by no means minimizes the role of the ANC. They will be the largest party, and there's a high likelihood of them coupling with the EFF, you know, this mm. little calf of the big mother beast um, that could still ensure some sort of buffalo-type dominance. So it's it's risky times, but it's also the time of greatest opportunity. Mm. In a in a way, I guess right now is the time when we can watch this incubate best, and that is the results of the local elections, because the major metros are largely comprised of uh, sort of minor party coalitions. Uh, some of them quite large coalitions because they they mm. make up quite made up of quite a lot of parties. Um, so we're looking at places like uh, probably particularly uh, Chwane and uh, mm. Johannesburg are, are, are really a t giving a, giving us the most pause for thought because they're big they're the biggest they're big metros. Um, there's a mm. lot at stake here. There's been a lot of uh, ANC misrule over the uh, over the over the decades. So the question then is, how do things look? Sure. I mean, the the real sad thing here is that this is a happy and a sad tale. It's sort of a sweet and sour, but sweet, whatever combination of good and bad you want to uh, pronounce here. Um, that in Tuane, in, in in Pretoria, but in the municipal, in the in the metro of of Tuane, with you know its political entity name, um, you actually have a wild dog coalition where the wild dogs count together. So that's Cope, ACDP, Freedom Front Plus. Uh, the DA and Mashaba's new kid on the block, Action SA, where together they actually nudge just above the 50% line of seats in the council. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a majority wild dog coalition here. So there's a very, very good point to be, or argument to be made, that this is, as it were, the biggest test run. Now, cities like Johannesburg and Ekurileni and Etiquini were more contentious. Etiquini actually also had a chance of falling to a wild dog coalition, but then the ANC and the EFF um, managed to corral their way to to uh, the mayoralty there. But we've got Ekuruleni, we've got Johannesburg and Tuane in the hands of these wild dogs, with Tuane being, as it were, the flagship, where there is actually a plus 50% mm -hmm. or, or, or a clearing of the 50% margin, but in Johannesburg and Ekuruleni, less so. But 
looking at these coalition govern, governments, you see some good stuff. We can't deny that. You see uh, uh, the, the mayor, uh, Randall Williams, here in Swane, going on a very well-publicized, I think, strategically quite brilliant campaign of cutting off the power of non-paying people in the city, going after, you know, government departments and big hotels. In, and uh, 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 like, uh, the claim is made that 700 million rands of dues for municipal bills were, you know, uh, <laughs> gathered in by this uh, campaign. But then you look a bit more fundamentally at something like the passing of the budget in Swane, where all went well, all went relatively smoothly, until suddenly Action SA had a problem with the budget program, um, wanted to reallocate funds from one project to another project, and instead of actually making this point in the budget negotiations in the government of which Action SA is a member, they later they waited for the last possible moment when the budget was about to arrive for a vote in the council chamber and then kicked up a bit of a stink. Now, I've got a suspicion that was a bit of political diversion tactics because the real stink really lies in Johannesburg and with the position of the city manager there. Yeah, because I would have thought that, you know, if you've sort of got your coalition politics uh, at heart, um, as you say, it's something that would have been raised early, early, much earlier on in the process. Um, so ostensibly, uh, it, 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 can, it can only look like politicking. It doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. unless, unless whatever they were proposing came up really genuinely suddenly. Which it did not, which it did not. The, the issue of the Royval uh, uh, matter where citizens are being relocated and there are some issues of water infrastructure, that has been simmering for almost a decade. So I don't think Action SA can have the, the, the excuse of saying this is a, a late addition to the calculus. It's been there quite a while. But the, 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 the thing about forming a government is you've got essentially the first three things you need to be able to do is you need to be able to appoint an executive like a mayor. You need to be able to appoint a head of the legislative branch, like a speaker of the council, and you need to be able to pass a budget. Now, they cleared number one and two, the Wild Dog Coalition in Tswane and in Johannesburg. But my goodness, did in Tswane, the most promising Wild Dog Coalition, did they come close to doddering uh, into failure uh, due to you know, just a, a lack of cohesion? among the wild dogs. And I think specifically here, we need to consider Action SA's role in, in making these political alliances work or fail and question really what do they want to achieve? Because in Johannesburg, there's a story surrounding Action SA and Hadman Mashaba that really could illuminate uh, the party. So what you were what you're saying was that you suggest that the the budget the, the, the unraveling the budget had more to do with what was happening in Johannesburg than Tswane itself. I suspect so. It's 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 a difficult claim to make, and we're here slightly into the you know Agatha Christie nature of politics. But it's in, in but in South Africa the question is really who done it, um, and and it's just who didn't do it. Good. But uh, the the thing that we saw at the same time as the Tswane budget issue heating up. There was a smaller yet more significant drama heating up in Johannesburg regarding the appointment of the city manager. Now, the city manager is the chief civil servant of the local government, basically the chief operating officer, an immensely powerful position. And exactly the time that Tswane became a hot button debating issue about coalition politics, 
something more sinister was happening surrounding the appointment of the city manager in Johannesburg with Action SA backing a candidate that one could charitably called called tainted against the DA backing a candidate with some record of accomplishment. Uh, is, now, isn't this typically where, where personalities are involved, where the, you see the senior side of politics in general and coalition politics in particular? I think so. There's a, there's a very strong claim to be made that coalitions where they work across the world really very, very often comes down in 90% of cases to the personality and the power of personality of the leader. And I think, uh, you know, w- without making an Israel reference just because I'm on Kai FM, I think Israel is a good example of a coalition situation dependent on the powerful personality of a leader. It's no coincidence, I think, that the coalition that got rid of Benjamin Netanyahu are at heart in a weaker position than any coalition over the last 10 years led by Netanyahu just because of the force of his personality. And one can look at the Cape Town experience between 2006 and 2011 when Helen Ziller, again, for whatever merits or whatever demerits she might have, she has a personality of some force. Mm. And that managed to keep together a multi-party coalition under very strange and strained circumstances. So the personalities involved in coalition politics cannot be undersold. And then you have someone like Herman Mashaba, who, for all his faults or for all his merits, is a huge personality. And I think some Mm. of our colleagues who've served under him can attest to that fact. Yeah. No, that's that's, that's something that I wondered about, because you can see instantly, I mean, you you have a sense, uh, Herman Mashaba is a confident man. He's been around the block. He's been a successful businessman. Uh, he came into politics essentially riding a almost a God-given wave because he didn't have to go through the, the years mm. of hard slog one usually has to go through to get to the position. And that's not, not, that's not a personality that's going to sort of lie down and roll over um, mm. for anyone in a coalition politics environment. No, and, and the thing is that Mashaba has such a good story to tell, you know, uh, uh, to, to, to coin a phrase. This is a man who, under extremely difficult commercial and economic circumstances, actually built up something of a commercial enterprise that made him the man who he is today. And it's on the back of that story that he published, you know, The Capitalist Crusader, this book mm-hmm. where he touts the free market, touts the ingenuity of the individual to solve problems as really the most potent socioeconomic catalyst um, in South Africa. Yet he is also the guy, strength of personality or not, that made sweetheart deals with the EFF while mayor of Johannesburg. The current acting city manager in Johannesburg is a guy called Floyd Brunk. Now, Brunk, beyond, you know, choosing to constantly dress like a prohibition-era gangster, is a guy of some dodgy associations. And Herman Mashaba is largely responsible for him becoming the acting city manager of Johannesburg. And there are rumors that it was a quid pro quo with the EFF to secure their pragmatic you know, uh, uh, mm. support for the then coalition government. But again, a strong personality in the form of Floyd Brunk, in the form of Julius Malema, in the form of Hamra Shaba can have such a powerful influence on the coalition. But then the question really becomes one of cohesion. Is there enough party political cohesion between these parties? And that 
is really a question of whether people like Herman Mashaba is willing to play for the team. And currently, there are some big question marks there. Yeah, in fact, the, I, I don't recall all the shenanigans that went on prior to the coalition being formed in Johannesburg. But if I remember correctly, um, there was some toing and froing over the fact that Herman Mashaba still appeared to owe some allegiance to the EFF. And this suggests that there is still something there that's that's going on, the like of which I'm not sure we entirely know or understand. Yeah, and, and, and it's all sort of illustrated by Mashaba's loyalty to Floyd Brink, because currently uh, the city of Johannesburg is, in the, is, is, is interviewing candidates for the position mm -hmm. of of city manager, and one of these candidates, Johan Mettler, is the the you know chose the, the 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 preferred candidate of many of the coalition partners in government, but Floyd Brunk is the preferred candidate of Actionist A, and one has to look at Brunk's record here. He was arrested in 2013 as part of a corruption investigation, but he was acquitted on trial. He's been as uh, he he has links with the EFF going back to 2000. And 11. But then significantly, there's a recent report accusing him of gross uh, uh, in, in either incompetence or professional negligence in his capacity as a civil servant for the city of Johannesburg regarding the procurement of security services and equipment. So one wonders why does Herman Mashaba and the EFF have this loyalty to Mr. Brink and that might be a question. In, in an article I recently wrote, I essentially say that there are, you know, four possibilities for this loyalty. Number one, it's possible that the EFF and Action SA have so long spent time together that the rot of, you know, the VBS type of looting of the EFF might have rubbed off on some Action SA members. And Mr. Brink is a convenient, you know, associate in that sort of activity as he has long been rumored to be. Secondly, it's possible that Mashaba is aware of the fact that Mr. Brink is something of a time bomb for a city manager, and that if he can ensure that Paul Malatze, the DA mayor of Johannesburg, has someone like Brink in our office that is a bit of a time bomb, his reputation as the gung-ho, powerful mayor of Johannesburg could actually be shown to be a bit false when it's understood that really anyone can manage a city so long as they have a competent city manager. But there are, there are a few other reasons, you know, it could be personal uh, animosity between Action SA and the DA. And then also it can be some allegations of wrongdoing if someone like Johann Mettler with an anti-corruption, uh, corruption-busting reputation were to come in as city manager. It might reveal some stuff that happened during either Mashaba's mayoralty or Brunk's tenure and with the city that might make for some embarrassing reading. But these personalities, these figures, they need to have the disinfectant of sunlight because currently they're a bit under the carpet. And I think that's why these matters must be discussed more openly because citizens and voters have a right and a responsibility to get involved. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Herman, I'd just like to expand on the last point you raised, and that was the the role of the citizenry. You've, I think, you gave four points for the the extent to which and the way in which citizens should be involved in keeping this this stuff in the in the sunlight. Um, would you elaborate mm. on them? Yeah. So I think 
number one, number one, they, they, one of the most frustrating statistics in South Africa is the fact that we have more people not voting who are eligible to vote than voting. Um, that, that, I mean, that says a lot of things, and, and there are many, many reasons for it. But it is probably, at heart, one of the things that gives me both hope and despair when I wake up every morning to try and, uh, uh, you know, find a way to, to influence the way South Africans think and the way governments act. So the first thing I, I think is that voters must understand that if you pay a quarter, a third, or whatever proportion of your salary to someone and you don't follow up to investigate or to make sure or to attend shareholder meetings or any of those things to make sure that the money you've given to this entity is spent wisely and prudently, then there's something of a failure on your side. That's that's slightly on you. If And, and that's sort of what's happening with elections in South Africa and politics in South Africa is due to many, many years of, you know, uh, seeing politics as a problem for the politicians to solve, voters have become unengaged, except during election times, which is, you know, okay, but even then, we've got a majority of eligible South Africans not voting. So I think if every South African that voted in the last election or that didn't vote but is interested in politics, before the next election goes out and finds one South African who didn't vote in the previous uh, you know, uh, opportunity of electoral participation and convinces that person to vote, overnight we could have a whole new political landscape. But that means people must actually think, my goodness, getting people to vote isn't just something the IEC has to do through billboards or political parties have to do through SMSs and food packets and T-shirts. I, as a citizen, have some investment in this matter, how it goes. And for too long, we've outsourced politics to the politicians. So number one, voters must actually step up, must actually take an interest. Even in mundane, boring stuff as the appointment of a municipal or city manager. And then secondly, we must get real about what's going on. The Zondo Commission mostly will result in very few benefits to South Africans. Yet, when we talk about corruption and corruption oversight and administrative oversight, people immediately think that commissions of inquiry like the Zondo Commission will do the trick. But that's actually political theater. The citizen must become more informed to understand that what's happening in Johannesburg regarding the appointment of a city manager is infinitely more important than what's happening at the Zondo Commission. So we need mm. to have an adjusted focus. Thirdly, if you vote for a political party and you don't follow up on the with that political party on what they do in office, then you might just as well not have voted at all. So if you voted for Action SA, ask Action SA in Johannesburg, um, excuse me, why are you backing someone like Floyd Brunk for city manager? Or if you voted for the DA, ask the DA, you know, what is the situation with Action SA that there seems to be this lack of cohesion. If you voted for COPE or the Freedom Front Plus or the ACDP or, or whatever party, part of this wild dog coalition, and you haven't followed up to check, you know, what's actually going on? What have you done for me since I voted for you? Then you really are sort of giving politicians an open opportunity to take your vote and then essentially just, you know, do nothing with it. And then there's also this duty on smaller political parties 
to start speaking up. Because if every coalition tension is going to boil over into an action SA versus DA petty friction, it's going to cheapen the whole idea of coalition politics. And finally, and that's why I love coming on Chayefim, the idea of self-imposed censure, that politics is a taboo subject. It's, it's up there with religion and sport that you don't talk about <laughs> it. I think that needs to end because it is damaging, it is corrosive to this whole idea of public engagement. Herman, as ever, thank you very much. And I'd like to commend people to read your article in The Daily Friend on this. Uh, I think this is this it, question mark, is the title of the article, because it goes into uh, more detail than we've been able to canvas. And uh, once again, thank you for being on the show. Sarah, thank you very much and a lovely day to your listeners. Good.